Hello, we've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we'll be discussing Book 1, Episode 5, The King of Omashu. Today on our panel we have Charles. Hello. And Corey. Hi. Unfortunately, no Lindsay today. Uh, she uh, had something else going on, but I have her thoughts and her rating, so I will read those at the end if you are interested in her perspective. So yes, today is the start of The King of Omashu, one of the more interesting episodes uh, and interesting character uh, introductions that we're going to see. So let's kick things off. Charles, initial thoughts. Uh, I love the episode. I love Boomer's character. I love the fact that they used the whole episode to develop uh, to develop the fact that he's someone from Aang's past and how uh, that indicates that the world has changed in Aang's absence. I love that um, it's our first, I guess, uh, sight of a real major populace and a real, you know, organized system, even though, in theory, the world is in crisis. I, I just like the episode a lot. Okay. Corey? Um, I almost completely agree with everything Charles has said. Um, Boomy is a very good character to introduce, uh, especially from Aang's past. The, the, the thing... The thing that kind of bothers me and I'm kind of on the fence about, even though I love Boomy, is that Aang has already proven that, you know, he's still childish, immature, and I, I the, the thing, like, I kind of wanted, at least when I was first watching it, was that Boomy, which, like, sure, Aang wanted to be chummy and childish with uh, Boomy, but then it shows Boomy is obviously an old man his age and has taken on the responsibilities of being the Earth King, which we obviously didn't get. And now, obviously, looking back, and the whole part of this podcast is to look at it with the full perspective. I appreciate it, but that's just going back into my original thoughts of what I wanted originally when I first watched it. But overall, this is um, a really good introduction to Boomy, uh, also the introduction to the Earth Kingdom as a whole, and um, it's definitely an episode I enjoy. Okay. Um, personally, I think this is one of the, the probably the first episode where my thoughts on this on it have changed dramatically from where I was when I first watched it, and not so much in a rating because I always like this episode. I, I agree with basically everything the two of them said um, regarding just like the overall quality and how great Boomy was. But for me, this episode at, at 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 the first time I watched it was like, oh, this was a fun episode, and we got to meet Boomy, who is this you know really cool guy, and yeah, maybe we'll see him again, maybe we won't. Um, and yeah, Omashu is cool. But for me, how much this like is important for Aang's character and like really setting up where he is at the start, I think this episode was did a did a really good job of it and a really good job of like showing without telling. Like they did there was very little like exposition in this episode. Very little was just told to us. It was exclusively shown, and I think that that's just a real uh, testament to how to how well thought out and how well planned out this entire show was and this entire um, situation is. All right, so with that, we are now going to get into our episode discussion. Um, and starting right from the start, um, for me, my, my, my most initial uh, reaction just at the very beginning is coming off of the last episode is, you know, we, we did, we kind of ended the last episode and we ended our discussion really on sort of how much was Aang affected by the situation in Kyoshi and he's um, sort of dealing with, you know, the, a little bit of the guilt and, you know, there's to some extent you're like, oh, is he going to snap into gear now that, like, he saw what the war was doing and saw what was going on? It's like, nope, he's going to Omashu to go ride on a cart. And 
it's fine. I, I actually think it's very good for Aang's sort of character development, but I think it does continue to show that, like, even even what happened in Kyoshi, he still just has no idea how bad things are and how much he really needs to be, like, out trying to save the world. Um, and, again, that, that still that plays on to... I, I understand every motivation Aang has completely, but, again, like, going back to what, what I was saying, the fact that Boomy was... Boomy has lived long enough to know the situation and where everything stands. And obviously, the lesson Aang learns in the end of the, the training that Boomy has given him, you know, plays into everything. But at the same time, I, I, I don't know why I'm, I'm just wanting a wise king role and that type of thing. But I, I, I guess it's, again, because you don't, Aang doesn't really snap in the gear about the stakes of what's happened since he's been out in the ice. And Boomy certainly doesn't help, obviously. So... It's it's one of those things that I, I I'm I'm left like confused on the tone, but. Do you think part of that's just because Roku takes the role as like the old wise sort of person guiding Aang, and to some extent Boomy doesn't? That's just not what Boomy's role is. Well, I the reason I appreciate it and I'm okay with it is because this is Boomy, and this is what they wanted Boomy to be. So there's no, Boomy's always like this, and I that's what I appreciate it. It's not like. They did this, like, uh, in Star Wars with, like, Yoda, where, like, he was playful in the beginning, but it just turns out he's actually a wise mentor. He's, this is what Boomy is. And what, oh, yeah. That's, Boomy is not hiding for anyone. That's why I, that's why I end up appreciating it. And I, I but that's, the, the, the thing is, it's also a matter of, Aang right now, especially in, in all of book one, really never has a character from his past snap him in the gear and that's just how I feel about, especially about mm-hmm. me too yeah Charles uh, I actually thought that him being not a wise king was pretty cool because I, I feel like that was the anticipated thing uh, mm-hmm. You know, you you're, you first see him there in the palace, and he immediately spots uh, Aang as the Avatar, right, by throwing the fork at him. Um, chicken. Sorry, the chicken. Uh, right, remembered that wrong. But yeah, and uh, <laughs> so it's like, oh, he's clearly, you know, on the ball. He's really savvy. But it's um, I feel like it's overused. You know, that kind of wise and generous king mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that they did you know making him intelligent and also retaining his character from his youth through then I thought was a, a really a really good decision because it mm-hmm. both allows him to give Aang like unique insight and it also shows or it, it also marks a uh, thing for Aang that it's not just this strange new world he's in there's still uh, things that tie him to it yeah also let me just quickly jump on um, I want to mention my thoughts this is the first time you see the earth kingdom and it's wonderful it's wonderful mm-hmm. seeing a completely giant kingdom that can also serve as an antithesis of how unified the fire nation is it's good to see that not everything is like the water tribes where they're, they're scattered, and even the air nor- nomads. This is a unified Earth Kingdom. Well, well unified is a very complicated term. term. I agree with you, but it's a kingdom still. It's not nomads. 
they're not tribes, they're just a kingdom. And like, I think that's a very nice introduction and, and serves as a nice counterweight to the Fire Nation. Yeah, I mean, going right off that, the, the thing I will definitely say is um, this is the first city that we see, like, real city that we see, and it does look awesome. Like, Omashu, as it, from an art perspective, it just, it looks so cool, and especially coming off of, like, we've seen a tiny little tribe, we've seen, like, a temple that's been deserted, and we've seen, like, a small village, basically. This was a city, and it was just so striking how different it was, and that that was really, really awesome. Um, I mean... The one I do think you also kind of get into because Corey kind of talked about like the, the Earth Kingdom as a whole. I mean, you also do get a little bit in terms of Earth Kingdom government, where you know Boomy is a king, even though he's not the Earth King. He's just kind of a, the king of Omashu, and it sort of kind of hints at like the the sort of comp- complexity that is the Earth Kingdom's um, sort of political structure, which I think is actually really makes a lot of sense, obviously, because there's no way the Fire Nation would be able to like deal with a truly united truly like unified uh, earth kingdom it's so much bigger there's so many more people but because it's divided and because it's probably not as well administered than a the small compact nation it makes things a lot easier from like you know sort of a small island nation like the fire nation to do some stuff um and yeah so now we're gonna get uh getting into the episode a little bit more uh lindsay just wanted me to mention that we, we we get our first introduction to the cabbage merchant which is which is one of her favorite um especially comedic characters and yes the cabbage merchant is great i you know it, it, it is a fun running gag and um i just appreciate like it's it's just one of those like little things that it doesn't take up too much time it's never like such a focus that you're like oh my god i'm done with this but every once in a while it's fun to to know the cabbage merchant is around um, the other big thing about this episode, and we're going to talk a lot more about this when we get to uh, Boomy, but early on, we do get our first appearance of Earthbending, um, outside of obviously the, the intro, um, but we haven't had any Earthbending yet, um, and that's just, it's, it's really cool, and, and just to talk a little bit about the bending, I, I, and I said this I think earlier on, but I love just how different the bending styles are from each other, um, like physically, even if you take out the actual like movement of rocks and movement of fire and things, just the movement of you know the movement that the characters do is so different, and I I love it because again it sort of it adds this extra layer of personality, this extra layer of distinction that you can if you've watched the show enough you can probably tell what you know what bending style it is just from watching their their movements, um, and that's an attention to detail that that is just really uh, incredible. Anyone on anything on I just said? <laughs> yep, I'm um, I'm agreeing 100%. Um, I really, really like earthbending a lot. I think it's it's uh, I like how firm your has your, your body has to be, feet rooted to the ground. Um, I, it's I I think earthbending is very well introduced, especially in this episode, and it just, again, it shows us how powerful and diverse earthbending can be. And I also like the city itself, how earthbending is just ingrained in their culture and, and how everything works, like their whole shoot system and everything. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's very, very well done uh, visually. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. Uh, and, I, and I also, I love when they can integrate, like you can see the true integration of like, this city does not exist without earthbending. And so it works, like it, it's, it's a city that could only exist in this world and it's great to actually see it out, you know, up there. Charles, anything to add? 
No, I mean, I agree with everything you you both just said. It, se- it seems like this has been a running through this episode of I agree with whatever someone else just said. Um, uh, it's a no, very, yeah, go ahead. Like, I mean, we'll talk about the rest of the episode, obviously, but it's it's very straightforward, this episode. Like, which is which is funny because the point of this episode is nothing is straightforward and everything is different from what you expect. <laughs> Boomy is rolling over and like, why are they thinking this about my episode? <laughs> I mean, that's that's obviously that's the lesson that uh, Ang learns, but it's also true that um, like theme wise, that's clearly the theme. Mm-hmm, yeah. And Definitely. there's no way to debate that. And then what it does, the introduction it does, and how it uh, treats characters and the description of the city, it's, you know, it's all pretty, um, give it, it there's not too much hidden in uh, Omashu. Yeah. I think you, we only return to the city, like, once? Yeah, one more time. So. Uh, That's unlike... Oh, sorry, like, un- unlike other places or other characters who are recurring far more often. Boomy has three appearances, Bomashu... Well, I guess technically Omashu has three appearances, but one of them is in a flashback. Um, Corey, did you have something you wanted to say on that? And this is also something to think about, too. Um, Omashu is the second largest city in the Earth Kingdom. And yes. that makes you really think. That means that means it's a bigger city, obviously Ba Sing Se. And it's it's in my opinion it, it, again I, as I'm, I'm looping back to what I said earlier it's very nice to see the Earth Kingdom as a, a, a kingdom and it's because it, 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 if the Earth Kingdom wasn't in this scope and size the, I think the Fire Nation would have a field day running through all three king uh, you know the 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 air nations air and nations yeah so it's that's something that has to sink in too that Omashu is huge and it's still only the second largest city not even the capital so yeah it's tiny compared to Lessing Se I mean if you look at a map on that um alright so the big thing that I want to talk about at the beginning of this episode is this is really the first chance we get like true confirmation about like how much freedom that Aang had before he was told he was the Avatar because you know we he's obviously been to Omashu more than once like he he's close with Boomy on a level like they've obviously been interacting quite a bit throughout their lives um I just think that what do you guys think in terms of whether or not that was a good idea do you think that it was a good idea to have given Aang the amount of freedom that he had now what do you mean exactly by freedom I'm trying to wrap my head around what you're asking Aang was allowed to to travel the world, make friends, explore, do essentially whatever he wanted until he was told he was the Avatar. And then he was had all of his freedom taken away. And we'll talk about this uh, a little bit more in depth when we get to like the storm. But just right now when we really get our first uh, taste of like Aang's Aang's life before he was the or before he was told he was the Avatar. Do you think that it to some extent was a mistake giving him that freedom? No, because the Avatar is, you know, meant to bridge, obviously, the spirit world and the, the material world, but also you know, be a mediator in all these nations. I think he has to expose himself to the cultures of every, pretty much everywhere else. And, again, nobody knew when he had these freedoms that Aang was going to be thrust into the position he did at such a young age. 
So when he was of age, I think he would have been more ready for it. So I don't, I don't blame them for letting him have his freedoms, knowing what they knew. Okay. Yeah. I, it, it, I mean, I, it, to me, it's just an interesting question um, that I, I, I just find, find fascinating because personally, I think that it's, it's weird that they give him the freedom that they give him and then very quickly change their minds and restrict it. And I, and I just think that that... They had no choice. I mean, they, you're, I understand that, and I understand that war, like, the war is coming, and, and the, 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 there's difficult choices being made, and I, like, it's not an easy position to be in, um, but it does, it, it does seem to me just very striking that Aang seems, it seems like the thing that really pushes Aang away was the sort of, the idea of his freedom being restricted, and they always knew at some point Aang was going to have to become the Avatar and sort of be put into this very specific box um and it's just interesting that they they give him the freedom as every airbender essentially would have but then don't uh or, but then then have to restrict it I, i'm gonna pin that more in the wartime stuff because we later in the series get flashbacks to um to roku right and mm -hmm. he did basically the same thing traveled the world uh, touring the bending for one, but also, you know, made friends in all of the countries. Uh, no, but I, there, to me, there's a very big difference to him traveling the world as the Avatar versus traveling the world just as a kid. Oh, uh, in terms of... Hmm, I guess, but then, like, like you just said, it, you know, it's the same thing that any other airbender would have been afforded the ability to do. No, I, I know, and it, it obviously it, it is an incredibly difficult position for for the for the air the air council to be in. The reason that I they say this is because, as I've continued to say, I look at Ang's quest or Ang's character very much as him choosing whether or not he wants to be an airbender or wants to be the avatar, because I think that there is a sort of fundamental disconnect between the needs of the Avatar and the needs of an airbender. And, and we see this actually all the way in the finale when we um, when Aang is talking to Yang Chen and there's sort of the, the idea of, you know, the ultimate airbenders have detached themselves from the world, but the Avatar just can't do it because they have obligations to the world. Um, and then we kind of see that to some extent in the next series in Korra when Korra, who's kind of the... Uh, very much into being the avatar and she's very you know set and focused on that and the thing that she has trouble with is airbending because it it requires freedom and 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 peace of mind as opposed to duty and responsibility and and i'm gonna save the world um and i just think that it create because of that it creates this weird dichotomy where ang was given all of this freedom and was given the chance to explore and enjoy life and then very quickly because of a war has to change everything about his perspective and suddenly has responsibility and needs to to sort of be in a certain place and do a certain thing um and i just think that that's was very hard on ang and it's one of the reasons it it takes so long for ang to quote unquote snap into gear um and i just i just like to sort of look back at the the decision to give him the freedom that they did and then to take that freedom away and how that affected his psychology. Well, it's funny. I mean, I'm sure, Corey, you have something to say, so Corey, go ahead. I mean, yes, but if they knew ahead of time that Aang would have to become the Avatar at such a young age, they never would have given him this freedom. 
but they didn't and they acted accordingly because there was no circumstances that would they didn't they never thought Aang would be revealed he was the avatar at such a young age so i i think even if if um um Korra was an airbender and you were still in that you know in, in the time Korra would have had the exact same freedoms at a young age and she would have been revealed she was the avatar at the right age and it would have been the same thing but you know she just happened to be in the water tribe so it's not really their culture but do you see what i'm saying well, yeah, obviously she knew much younger because she just was such a good vendor. No, but I guess that to some extent gets at what I'm saying is if I understand what you just said, you're saying, yes, it was a mistake to give him that freedom. It just they didn't know it because they didn't know they didn't have all the information. But if they if they knew 100 percent that Ang would need to have been told at 12, they should have essentially restricted him a little bit. And I believe they would have too. I mean, it's obvious. Okay. So you're you, so so in your opinion, it's not they made a mistake. It's that war forced an un uh, an undesirable situation. Exactly. Okay, I, I, and I can I can I can agree with that to to an extent. I'm just this to me is like the one of the more fascinating questions of Avatar, and this is this is one of our times where we really get to like um, see it. So I I want to kind of talk about it a little bit here. Um, so we go into the city, and a small thing, a very small detail that I, I comp- never noticed until watching this episode and prep for this podcast was the fact that it's the first time that we see the Earth Kingdom army with the troops being um, being trained. And obviously it's a very small scene and kind of, to some extent, kind of meaningless. But for me, it, it actually had a lot of resonance of like, yes, this city is, is a very functioning city and, and, and Aang's having a really good time, but there are... There's still a war going on, and it was sort of a, like one of those, another reminder of like, yup, there's a war going on, these troops are going off, and there's a fair chance many of the troops we just saw are probably didn't survive or are in pretty terrible shape because of the war. Um, and I think it's just, it's one of those small details that, 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 that really hit home for me. Now, do you, do you like, both of you, I'm asking this question to both of you, by the way, mm-hmm. do you guys like the fact that these major cities don't seem to be affected like the people are living their lives still and like you don't really see the the wear and tear and war on the cities you don't really see a, a call to arms or like like an infrastructure change or damage or you know people starving because they're feeding the military do you like that well i i mean I, we do in bossing say well, i mean yeah. there's a massive refugee problem there's a lot of ish, clear issues in Bossing Say, and they're just kind of to some degree covering them up because of the Dai Li. Um, I think that it's okay because we see it in other places, and I actually think that it makes sense if you look at the geography of the Earth Kingdom that an area like Omashu, which is extremely well guarded by mountains, extremely hard to conquer, is probably relatively okay until they actually get invaded. And obviously we see what happens, you know, in, in like six months when they do get invaded. But it, I think it actually makes a lot of sense that Omashu is not seeing as much uh, problems. But we see, you know, we're going to see in a, in a couple episodes when we get to say imprisoned, there's a population that's really affected by the war. And I think it, I, I think that it makes, it does make sense. That that of of the pla- of of all the places in the Earth Kingdom, the place that would be the least affected would be Omashu. That that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Charles, what? How do you feel? Um, I mean, I, I have to agree with that. It's 
super far removed, it's geographically difficult to attack. That's not to say the Fire Nation can't get around those barriers, because they reached the air temples and they, and uh, Iroh did break bossing say, but. And they do, you know, conquer Omashu, so. Event not yeah, eventually. But, um. Just, it, it also kind of makes sense from, like, a real world perspective. Uh, like, in the. Like in England, let's say during the Second World War, uh, you had a lot of it was just a lot like every, it was bad everywhere. Um, but cities had it a little bit better off because you ended up like concentrating a lot of you know like living resources there. It's like food and water and stuff, and then they you ended up living like a little bit better than you would have out in the countryside where it's harder to get access to, like, centralized planning and things. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, this is a world before, um, you know, you said World War II, but you have to keep in mind this is, like, Civil War era from a technology perspective. So it also is a lot hard. Like, we're not dealing with, like, Blitzkrieg. We're not dealing with, like, aerial assaults. We will, we will obviously, but uh, not yet. So I think that's also kind of important to keep in mind that it's, that it's, it's harder to cut off, a, like, certain these cities like this as, as it would be. Um, more modern. You know, that, that's something I always was uh, confused about, too, because to reach the air temples, you clearly needed to have, like, decent or good uh, capability for aerial combat, but we never see the Fire Nation in, in Avatar use that until, like, the very back part of the series. So it's, I, I took took that very clearly to be a product of Sozin's Comet that, that they did this during on the day of the Comet and without the Comet they never would have even come close to that but the Comet get offered them so much power that they could have I don't know if that's actually the answer but that's just how I've always um, how I've always read it uh, yeah I guess that makes sense alright fair enough Corey you started that so anything you want to um, finish up on on the uh war army and war in cities perspective I, I definitely understand what you guys are saying about the you know natural barriers and I, i'm saying logistically it makes sense for the show where obviously nothing gets derailed and I, i'm saying in terms of a creative direction like and I, again as you said again when i think more about when you actually do see it like in the imprisoned episode or and even in bossing say you're, you guys are nailing it on the head but i feel like again early on there's not a lot of drama. It's mostly lighthearted. And I'm okay with it, um, especially because I know where the show goes. But I, I feel like someone watching that in the beginning that wants a little bit more substance early on is not going to get it just by, you know, again, Boomy's character and the fact that you, you're not really seeing the stakes of war that much yet. But he, here's a question I would have for you there. Do you think that's a product of direction or do you think that's a product of viewfinder that we're seeing this through ang katara and sokka's eyes right now and to them as essentially as kids the world isn't like they're not seeing how bad things are so we as viewers are not seeing the world as bad as it is and then eventually we're going to get hit with it like i because to me that that feels like a very specific like actual direct like um like direct idea of the the show gets progressively more like hard, darker and harder as the characters realize the world is like that, and I think that that's a really 
good thing. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like, if you're watching the show for the first time, you're kind of like, oh, this seems like a very lighthearted and fun show. And sure, that's great, but it's not. It doesn't have the depth that I I wished it. it maybe you wish that it did, but I think that that's something that I, and to some extent with the, with with the, this podcast being what it is, I feel like that makes the things as we get later in the show better. This show gets better because of how much it started in this sort of fun, lighthearted place because and it for a specific reason that Aang is a very different character. Like if if the show was told from the perspective of Aang from season from the end of book three, it would be a vastly different show. Fair enough. I, I definitely see your point and uh, I could agree with it. Yep. Um, all right, so of course they, they go down the slides, and, and that was was obviously very well shot um, and really cool. Um, and then we we get introduced to Boomy, and I I think I said this earlier. I'm going to continue to say this. The character introductions on this show are are just second to none. I mean, Boomy, another character that that we see three times, and yet instantaneously, you 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 talk to anyone who knows anything about Avatar, how do we feel about King Boomy? They're going to have quite an opinion. And that's just, he's so eccentric and weird, but also, in, you know, also interesting and clearly knows what he's talking about. He's not, he's, you know, he's not eccentric for the sake, like a lot of other shows would have this kind of character as a king be completely ridiculous and have nothing sort of profound or even remotely interesting to say. They would just be ridiculous for comedic relief. But no, Boomy is a really important and like wise man he just happens to also be ridiculous and and i just love that they understood that with comic relief that it's not enough to just be like oh haha that guy's funny you need to also give me a reason to want to see them on screen so charles why don't you uh why don't you start off with uh, your thoughts on boomy <laughs> um i mean to me i love that clearly uh he's there's Boomy on two sides, right? He's running his city barely. No, no, no. He's running his city well. There, there's not strife. We just talked about this. You know, they're doing fine. And yeah, some of that is geographical advantage, but you've got to maintain a city pretty well to have it stay like that, even in times of peace. Um, but at the same time, he retains like that character that Aang remembers from his youth. That uh freedom and creativity and just yeah so there's like comedy as part of Bumi but then uh, I think the fact that his character extends deeper than that is what have is what makes people remember him the, the fact that he's you know he set up the whole thing to teach Aang a lesson and that um uh, I think that's what retains people uh, when they see the show mm-hmm um, I overall uh, like Boomy a lot. Um, as, well, when I say I like Boomy, I like Boomy as a character for Aang. I I'm I'm still on the fence about Boomy the King, and I you don't really ever really get to see him rule. And to be honest with you, um, I don't think he would make a good ruler. He's definitely wise, but I don't think he really wants to be the king of the earth kingdom if that makes sense to you well again he's not but just i mean you you i mean at least of omashu king, yeah I, I, I know i'm just i just i will correct you on that one but yeah he's king of omashu not of the earth kingdom. but i 
I just I it's I'm just trying when I when I watch it as a viewer I, I try to imagine him as a full fledged character in the universe that we live in without Aang Aang's been gone for a long time what he's been doing since then and I, I just can't imagine him running Omashu and that's the thing that kind of always bothers me about Boomy just watching it then and now I, I guess I get what you're saying but I also think that like how much does he need to be running Omashu I mean like we we think of like I, I think to some extent it, it feels like you're almost like like treating this from a perspective of like he is like making like essentially every decision like I don't think we know that like is is is, is Boomy a king who is writing you know tax policy and writing you know land codes or is Boomy a king who's largely hands off and 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 essentially is you know doing things you know when necessary because I, I i don't i don't know if it if we know enough about omashu's political structure to really make a judgment on like how good of boomy is, is as a king and as charles said like the society is functioning things seem to be going well his guards aren't exactly like mutinying on mutinying on him so i guess things must be pretty good um so I, I I don't know. It, it's hard for me to make a judgment call on that well, one. Well, it's funny. We we see things are good. That's what they're showing us, obviously. But I, I'm trying to think of was Boomy written as a means just to tell the story with a, a, a friend Aang used to know, who they're buddy buddy with, and he's just created for the storytelling of Aang. Or is Boomy a full fledged character in the universe, like I think the Kyoshi Warriors were and everything? Hmm. That I'd have to that I have to think about. I I under I see what you're saying, and yes, I, I think there is some like convenience to. Of course, Aang's childhood friend is you know um, now the the king of Omashu. Although it's not like every one of Aang's childhood friends are important. I mean, like we hear about a Kuz, you know Kuzan who never shows up, and I think that at least you know it's not everyone. But yeah, yeah, I can understand what you're saying, and I I, know, I do think that that's that's true. But I also don't think that it's. I don't. It doesn't feel so egregious to me that it's that big a deal. Um, so one little thing I want to touch on, and is that I I love the way they play the humor um, with the uh, joke about uh, Kangaroo Island and, and the place being really hopping, and I just love that they the, the joke is obviously awful, but because of Sokka's laughing, it sells it perfectly. Both. Sokka's character is sort of this guy who's who's funny and 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 he's he would laugh at that kind of joke and it just it's a great little bit of humor and it's it, one of those little things that like I another time I see a lot of jokes where I'll see characters tell like ridiculously bad jokes in other shows and they don't they don't sell it properly and this this is how you sell like a, a joke like that this is how you you keep something like that funny um so that brings us to the end of act one um act two for me I, there's not all that much I have to say about Act Two. Uh, I mean, obviously we, we have the, the tasks, uh, the first two tasks, and I mean they were interesting and it, you know it was fine. Um, the second one being kind of boring to me. I, I I never really understood why the why his task to find Flopsy made any sense because I didn't do anything. He just was like, oh, you're Flopsy. I guess I want like it's a, I don't know that feel. I understood that it was it was funny and that's fine, but it just never really felt that that great. Um, um, so yeah, do you guys anything you guys want to say on, on the stuff in Act 2? Um, I mean, I think it makes more sense than you give it credit for. It's Boomy trying to make Aang 
look at things in a different perspective. That's pretty much the whole message that Bumi was trying to give the Aang since he arrived at Amashu. So I think it, it's No, no, I, I get that. And I like the first one. I think the first one is interesting. I, the, set, the, 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 the finding of Flopsy just... It, it, I, like I said, I get the like basic point of like Aang has to realize, oh... The pet is not the rat, you know, the the, the floppy-eared rabbit. It's uh, it's this, you know, beast thing. And of course, the beast is nice. It's just, it doesn't feel like Ang has to do anything. It's just like, it, like to me, it would have been like interesting if like Ang was put in the cage and all he had to do was like rub its belly and it would have been okay. It was just like, it just felt very like, oh, he said his name and okay, I guess he won. I don't know. I it just, it felt it felt a little bit too like they were trying a little too hard for comedy there and not something interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea because it, I think the average person or average person in the Avatar world in that situation would have just continued to assume that the rabbit was the pet and then tried to get it out from the hole mm-hmm. or would have like tried to, depending on how combat effective they are, tried to beat up the uh, Flopsy and then try and find the rabbit. Um, but yeah, I, I also agree that it probably could have been done a little bit better in hindsight. It, like, it, it wasn't as, um, refined in thought as the waterfall test or the, uh, pick your fighter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it not, it's not that it's bad, it just, it, it did feel like the weakest, and just, you know, it's, it's like that one little thing, it's like, eh, I don't know, I feel like they could have done it a little bit better. Um, all right, so then we get to, to what I think is one of the, is probably the best, uh, definitely the best scene of the show is, is Aang and, and Boomy's fight. And I said earlier I love the introduction to Earth, uh, Earthbending. And um, I, Corey, I know, personally loves Earthbending a lot. And, and I like Earthbending, but I do think that one thing that they, they did really well in this is how Earthbending, to some extent, is kind of the least interesting until we get to, like, metal bending and sort of, all the other stuff you can do like it, it, it is a lot like compared to like creating fire or you know all of the interesting things you can do with water bending freezing stuff and like that or air bending which has always been like this sort of very mythical and, and great earth bending does feel like you can kick rocks around which is cool but it's not as it initially like you're in your thought in your mind it doesn't feel as as as, as great yet boomy immediately shows like how awesome it can be with lifting giant things over his head and, and creating, you know, these, you know, awesome, you know, obstacles for Aang to have to fight and stuff like that. And it just, I, I really enjoy how, like, I feel like they recognized, okay, we can't just have him kicking rocks and that's it because that isn't really interesting. They do a good job of, of keeping Earthbending looking great even when it's not, uh, even if it's not the most automatically, yeah, that's, that's cool, that's great. I mean, it's funny. I always thought Airbending was the most boring even, like, forever, I mean, like, when I say forever, I mean throughout the series, and even when you make it to Korra, like, the coolest thing that, like, an airbender can do is fly. I'm like, all right. I mean, I, I always thought that advanced airbending would involve tornadoes, like, I mean, massive tornadoes, and, like... I mean, it kind of does. I don't know, you never, you never it, visually see it. Uh, we do once, but... Yeah, okay, but when Aang is in maybe the Avatar state, no, no, we we it's the, the 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 ending of the fight in book three of Korra. But what what I'm trying to say is I always I yeah I, I know what you're I know what you're saying. I think even simple earth bending 
is is interesting as it is, but as to, I, I agree with what you said, Boomi showed the potential of what just straight earthbending can be, not not involving any other form of it, and it's it, it could show just simply how powerful uh, a master earthbender can become. Charles, I'm 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 trying to think if we get any. <laughs> Uh, strictly stronger examples of earthbending outside of Aang and Avatar State. I mean, I'd say Toph. Like, I would call Toph a better earthbender than Boomy, but uh, mostly just because we get to see, like, the, the um, because of her ability to see through her feet, like, that I think is to some degree cooler, but yeah, this is pretty, pretty up there. So it's, um,. I, 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 for me, I always thought that, uh, I, I mean, for me, I always thought that water bending was the <laughs> least. Cool. So we we each have a different cool. perspective. All we need is Lindsay to well, hate fire bending. Hold on a second here. With, with water bending, even like <laughs> the advanced forms of water bending, you don't think blood bending is awesome, or like, tidal like ice. All right, let let's <laughs> let's. I, I like this discussion, but let's let's hold off on the what is the worst form of bending discussion for another time. Uh, Wait, what's yours? Just so I know, Mark. I just said Earth. Oh, you said Earth. Um, but even regardless of my opinion on them and the um on what they look like in the show, uh, I agree that I really do appreciate how. Uh, well, they crafted the, you know, the movements based off of real martial arts, and then it's very obvious. Uh, and mm-hmm. even like, even regardless of what power they're exerting over the elements, you still see that you know the movements are still similar or almost the same. Even if you're really yeah. bad at it or you're really good at it, it still like comes from the same root. Which is yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Overall, the martial arts in the show are just are just phenomenal. So then uh, Aang finishes up, and we get uh, we get on the test, and um, he has to he has to figure out whose whose name it is, and just 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 Rocky Sokka, Rocky. That's that's what we're going with. We're going we're, we're going with Rocky because of all the rocks. Um. So yeah, I I think though it's it, again, and we we've sort of touched on this quite a bit, but it really is a very powerful moment for Aang to sort of you know realize that there is one person left who who he knew from before um and i think that we often forget because of how to some degree kind of carefree and 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 happy ang seems at the beginning like how hard it is for someone to wake up and literally everyone they know is dead i mean one person on earth that ang knows from before is alive everyone else he knows is dead that like no one can imagine what that is like and it, it I think is often just like not enough uh, attention is paid to this idea of like how truly traumatizing that must have been for Aang at first, and yet he still is able to soldier on and 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 continue to do great things. And I think that just it is really impressive. I think a lot of I think a lot of Aang 
regressing into being like a child and playing and, and doing all this is because he's trying to repress the fact that all of his friends are dead. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I like I said, I I do I do think that there is a like a part of of all of this what I've continued to kind of call dicking around of book one in like and just avoiding having to deal with the thing like the the pain and the hardship of what he of what he's been going through and and sort of not doing anything Avatar related is a good way to sort of take his mind off that and not do anything, um, but I also think it runs like it it does run a little bit deeper as well. Um, which is just you know it, it it again it adds layers to his character which is great. Yeah. Um. I mean, if anything about Rumi that he does serve to reinforce that point to Aang that um the world he went under to and the world that he's in now are really significantly different and uh, as we discussed in the very first episode it's like the whole story of avatar is of is focused on ang and zuko's uh de- er, mature maturing development yeah uh, you know just becoming more adult-like and um the fact that yeah he's still taking time to mess around but you know you can kind of see that and it, by the end of book one that uh he's you know he stops running away from not entirely but like the majority now he's actively gonna try and uh learn the you know learn the other bending forms and try and fulfill his duty to the world Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I I can I can see that. Um, and then I also I do like that the, with this episode ending, um, it 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 with just kind of Boomy putting putting Ang's like now quest into very simple terms of like he needs to master the elephant elements, master the elements. Sorry, and confront the Fire Lord. And it's kind of the first time we get like a. This is what Aang you need to do, and that's it. That is what Aang needs to do. He needs to master your elements and then go fight the Fire Lord. And I do like that, like, very early on they put that in there as, like, yep, this is what the show is going to be. And it, even though we get detours and we get lots of differences, at the end of the day, that is what this show is going – like, what Aang is going to be about from now until the end of the show. Um, and it's just, like, a nice little touch that they sort of add that to – to kind of give us all like, yep, this is what we're this is what we're getting into. It's nice that it comes from Boomy too, because um, they mm-hmm. could have attributed that line to a lot, a lot of people. They could have uh, had Katara say it. They could have had uh, people at the uh, Northern Water Tribe say it, but um, it you know it's just like one last reinforcement of the point that. Uh, Boomy sees things in, I guess, different ways from what other people might. Because, like, the average person is still, at this point, is still seeing the Avatar as, like, this mystical figure, and we'll, we'll just let him do what he does. Yeah. And he's supposed to somehow save the world. Or someday, as Katara says in the opening. But Boomy's like, nah, yeah. just, this is just what you do. 
this is what you have to do. And this is... Well, it's, it's, it's kind of similar to Aang, I know, later on has a line of, like, yeah, I'll just do that. Like, you know, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just do that, you know. It's kind of, it's kind of, it kind of gets in the same sort of, um, from a very different perspective, but in the same sort of path of like, yep, here you go, Ang, go save the world. You know, that's what you have to do. No, no big deal. Easy, right? Yes, at least it should be. Corey, any any final thoughts there? What does save the world mean at this point of the the show, too? Like, like, what do you like? You know what I'm saying? How is the Avatar at this point really gonna stop? the uh, fire lord like right now from what we know like you do you, you see what i'm saying like that's never clear same like saving the world is such a generic thing to say yes and to some extent i think that this the show does a little bit suffer from the fact that there's such a generic like you need to stop the fire lord who's not really a person who's basically just a force of nature and to some extent, it doesn't feel. It, it feels very like it does. I do agree. It feels a little bit nebulous, but I also think that, like looking back, it, it's also the point that the Avatar is like his job is to sort of keep balance. Well, what like what the fuck does that mean? Like I think that that's to some extent what like what what we're also trying to see that the, the Avatars define their own can define from themselves what they think the world should and shouldn't look like. And there is this, there, there is some, like, uh, not moral ambiguity because, to be honest, uh, uh, the Last Airbender doesn't really have much in terms of moral ambiguity. But sort of, it, it things are put in these very generic, very nebulous terms because it's not something specific. It's not like the Avatar's job is to maintain this exact world order, and they have a playbook or something that they kind of have to figure that thing out for themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, for sure that's true. You can, um, you can see that when Roku, you know, basically goes against the society he was raised in, their culture and their beliefs, and what um, his friend and king want him to do. You can see mm-hmm. that when Wan's like, "I'm I'm done with the turtles. <laughs> we are no longer." Oh, oh, Wan. You, you cheeky little fucker, you. Uh, we can see that to a degree in Korra when she um, in the first season confronts the idea that or confronts the notion, the concept that bending might not be good, that it's bad or that mm-hmm. rising... I mean, I, I, I would say it's actually much, much more common in Korra because of just how much more complicated the world to some degree is and how much less sort of obvious the the world the, like the state of affairs the world should be in and I think it's it is it is a more common thing in Korra but I, I, I do think it's there a little bit in, in, in Last Airbender too. yeah for sure I mean it's clear from how they structured the show that it's not like Aang is going to be like nah you, you guys are <laughs> you guys are the ones in the wrong I'm just going to go and help the Fire Nation <laughs> Uh, that could be an interesting version of this show. I feel like every single fantasy thing has a what if the protagonist helped the villain out type deal. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, so, so of course we're ending basically in the place of like what is right and wrong and what should Aang have done. 
Um, but that's going to uh, bring us to the end of our um, episode discussion. Um, so with that, I'm going to read um, our uh, missing host Lindsay's thoughts on this episode. Um, she unfortunately, as I said in the beginning, couldn't be here, but wanted me to read this. Um, so I'm just going to read what she sent me word for word. My reaction to this episode is always, first, oh my gosh, it's the Cabbage Merchant. It's the introduction to one of my favorite ongoing jokes in any television show. The episode has a great way of introducing earthbending. It shows a great variety of bending. Seeing it used by the guards to control the walls, utilized in an advanced way with an entire mail system, and of course, seeing Boomy using it in battle. Getting to meet Boomy. He's a great character, especially with his crazy jokes, and damn, is he ripped. It's so cute to see the two reunited after such a long time. I wish we could get more Boomy soon and not have to wait so long for the invasion to see him next. This episode as a whole is a fun one and makes you wonder to yourself what's going to happen next with Boomy's crazy requests and challenges. This is really an entertaining episode, but it also tells us what Aang must do to restore balance, which is fighting the Fire Lord Ozai. So she ends in the same place that we eventually got to. Um... Alright, so we're going to do our ratings. Um, just because I read it, I'll give Lindsay's rating. She gave this episode an 8, um, and obviously her reasoning was, was what I just read. Um, if you are interested, if you want to ask her more about it, you could tweet at us, and we'll mainly address that either via Twitter or on the next podcast. Um, Alright, so Corey, why don't you give us your rating and, and how you feel about this episode? Well, Lindsay pretty much nailed everything on the head perfectly. Um, I love the city... I loved how earthbending is an integral part of the city, as I mentioned earlier. I very much enjoyed Boomy. Um, I I really like really what he represented in terms of how he's a super. He's like as Charles said earlier. He's the reverse of what you would expect. And even though obviously younger on, I would have uh, appreciated more of a, a an actual leader and someone that wasn't so close to what Aang was like in a personality wise I ended up appreciating it now that I at least know where Boomy is supposed to be and what the creators actually intended him to be so I have a new appreciation for that um, and overall I, I just like earthbending I like the fact that there's an earth kingdom and not an earth tribe or uh, earth nomads and these are a people and they're a kingdom so overall, I'd probably have to match Lindsay's rating of an 8. I'll give it an 8 as well. All right, Charles? Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to mirror the same comments. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really liked that the episode introduces uh, Earthbending in a city form. It, it is the also the first city that we see, and it's nice that um, we start out with some depiction of troubles in the world and some depictions of uh, peace so that you you kind of know that there's trouble in around but it's not like the whole of the world is in complete devastation you know um, it also kind of justifies Aang's behavior a little bit a little bit um, I love Bume he's one of my favorite characters in the series even though we don't see him much just the few times he shows up that like it's great uh but i think looking re-watching it i had less of a like strong reaction to it than i did the first time i think the first time i watched it i really enjoyed the the specific like puzzles and theme that 
nothing is straightforward, considered everything from different angles. Uh, but now, especially like the second trial, as you mentioned, it seems a little bit contrived, or not as well done as it could have been, even the third one. Um, and so I'd, I'd probably give it an 8.2. I, I still like the episode a lot, but also like advertise the show a lot, so my scores are probably going to trend higher than um, the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 to some degree, I echo what you kind of just said about like how, what, how like sort of Avatar, like show episodes of Avatar are gonna end up getting rated very high just because of how high quality they are. Um, I, I really did enjoy this episode. Um, I think that there are some some really great uh, points of it, some really great storytelling, um, and I. I think that the like, as we everyone has said about the city it was great um, and as I said in the very beginning I think this episode does a great job of showing and not telling um, which is just one of the best really the best thing you can do in storytelling is um, for, on, on television or in um, you know media like that um, that being said I, I do echo with Charles I thought that to some degree act two was was relatively flat I mean th- there were some interesting moments here and there but for the most part it was not. Um, it was not a particularly um, exciting. I mean, I'm just looking at my notes because obviously I go through and do notes for every episode um, that we do. There's, I basically don't have anything written for Act 2, which is weird for you know a pretty high intensity, so to speak. Like There's a lot going on, but I just not that much for me to look at. And I think that sort of in the same vein as like last episode, I felt Aang's... Aang's um, the lack of consistency on Aang's character dragged the episode down a little bit for me. It, that's sort of the same the same feeling here. Um, so I give it an eight point four, uh, which is a, a little a tick or two up from last week. Um, I I did like I said an eight point four is a really good rating. I really enjoyed this episode, um, but there were just a few things here and there that could have that could have been better, which which keep it out of the the real upper echelon, um, you know, above an eight point five or something like that. So with that, we are going to wrap up this. Uh, this of course has been thoughts from Mount Wu. Um, this time I'm, I'm ready. So if you would like, follow us on Twitter at at AuntWu underscore pod. That's A-U-N-T-W-U underscore P-O-D. Um, if you tweet at us, you can tweet us questions or thoughts and we will respond. You can also leave comments on iTunes and SoundCloud, uh, depending on wherever you get your podcasts, and we will follow those as well. Um, we should be uh, up with the next episode uh, next week as well and potentially look for some guests coming up soon. So we might be getting a few new voices here and there. So with that, I'd like to close. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Corey and Charles and Lindsay for sending me your thoughts. Um, And that will do it.